Hello and once again welcome to the Snooty Usher podcast. This is Dave and with me as always is James. How are you doing James? I'm doing alright Dave. Excellent. Rich, how are I'm, you Rich? I'm also doing alright Dave. Excellent. I'm very glad you have uh, refrained from using foreign language because <laughs> uh, that was quite disturbing. <laughs> trying to week so uh, and last but no means least Dan how are you doing I am good how are you I am very well thank you very much uh, just before we uh, kick off with this week's podcast uh, I have noticed uh, we have been throwing names around of people that we have been watching films with uh, I just wanted to clarify who those people were so if you hear me talking about Kelly that would be my wife if you hear me talking about Cara and Leah, they would be my children. Uh, if you hear Rich talking about Anna, that would be his wife and co-presenter of the bi-weekly Snooty Usher's film quiz. Uh, you'll recognise her as the one who doesn't have a beard. Um, and if you hear Dan talking about Andrea, that would be his wife. Uh, you won't hear James talking about anyone because he's the only one with enough sense not to get married. So <laughs> I'm only kiddingly, of course. Okay, so uh, we will kick on now with, uh, we'll start with you, James, if you just uh, give us a couple of things that you've caught this week. Something that's just landed on Netflix, I kind of binged it over the over the weekend. Um, it's a sitcom uh, called Shit's Creek. Um, it was like the sixth and final series on, it's just come on to Netflix the, sort of last, the other day, and uh, basically I binged it all over the over the weekend. It's just a uh, series? What? Six series. Oh, no, I, 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 that I, I came out like... Last year or something. Oh, that's thing. It's it, it's kind of it's kind of got well known over the last couple of series, and they've kind of finished it as as it's kind of got popular. Which I oh, think it's really? probably the which is, was a very brave thing to do. I think it's a good thing it's it's, it's gone out on such a, such a high quality. Um, if anyone's not seen it, or you might have you might have seen it sort of if you've been flicking through Netflix. Yeah, it's um, it's with Eugene Levy and Catherine Keener. Um, they're the uh, they're basically the, the parents of a. A rich family that loses all its money, they get embezzled and have to um, go and live in a in a, a small backwater sort of town that they've they've uh, they bought once as a as a as a bet because of the funny name basically. Um, and Chris Elliott plays the sort of the mayor of this of this town, uh, and it's it's basically there's loads of uh, fish out of water sort of comedy stuff, um, but over the series it kind of develops and it's just a a really Good, pure sitcom as well. Um, it's it's actually written by uh, Eugene Levy, or, or kind of his his son uh, Dan Levy, and uh, basically the two of them kind of created it and, and made it. And it's it's just it's just grown and it's it's got as it's grown, it's kind of got more popular. I mean, it kind of broke through kind of sometime last year, um, and then as as it kind of broke through, they kind of written the, the kind of final series as well. Um, that's so that's just come out on Netflix and. Uh, it's an, it's an absolutely great sitcom. I, I really recommend it to people as well. It's it's a, a really beautiful kind of journey that you go on with the with the with the company as well uh, with with the with the family as well. Um, the and there's also there's also a sort of a documentary behind before, the scenes. Before you before you continue in a, in a, a snooty usher trope that seems to have developed, uh, I would I'm I'm going to have to correct. It's Catherine O'Hara, not Catherine. Oh, did it on? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so just just uh, just to be really pedantic there. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But, well, the, uh, so the um, there's actually so what I was going to say there's actually a documentary about about the last, the last series that they made, um, and she Catherine O'Hara, yeah, um, 
she kind of she kind of talks about um how it, it, it so like the character she kind of helped she kind of created the character she um gave it this weird speech pattern and uh and yeah it's just so watch it if you, if you like any of them if you like any of uh sort of christopher guest mockumentaries like best in show or waiting for guffman um for your consideration that sort of thing mighty wind any of them it's kind of like got the similar kind of like interplay between the two of them uh Catherine o'hara and uh and uh, eugene levy but then so if you watch it for that then you'll you'll come to love it for every other character it's just so well written so so loved so loved for in in documentary they say that they spent months just working on the backstory of each of the characters before they uh before they even sort of presented it as a, as a show um so that's that's kind of the thing that i've watched most over the over the last week yeah. uh Shit's creek on a on netflix um uh, also on netflix um joe seinfeld's got a, a new comedy special out that's uh, that's it's, it's it's always great to sort of get more new stuff from jerry seinfeld and uh, it's like an hour of like of like, like perfectly crafted comedy basically um in, in the seinfeld vein but it's uh he's also he's, he's 60 plus now so he sort of he has changed his his comedy slightly he's even more cynical than it than it kind of ever was um and just one more thing on a uh, oh, something that's not on netflix something on amazon prime um i feel that it was one of the last films to come out in the cinema before we all feel we're closed down if, if anyone can run back back that far um was the the dave batista um oh, spy yeah. family oh, yeah. comedy just... called my spy um and that is basically it's it's basically a, a daft spy comedy. It it sort of falls somewhere between a true family film and a uh, sort of a grown up kind of spy film, like a spy comedy film. It's, it's so, sort of somewhere in between. So I can see why not a lot of pe- people might sort of have some problems with it. But it's I, I basically really like Dave Bautista. I think he's a, a really funny, real funny actor. Um, he's got a, and he's got a good presence. So obviously all all the straight spy stuff. Is really is really good, but then he's also got comedy chops as well, and and the kid in it is sort of cutesy without being too saccharine sort of thing as well. So, uh, so that was, that's my spine. That's on Amazon Prime at the minute, um, and I'd I'd give it, you know, I'd, a recommendation if you, if you want to kill a bit of time. I'm I'm not totally sure how how suitable it is for for youngsters. There's like quite a lot of explosions in it towards the end, but um, but yeah, but that, I, I I enjoyed it anyway. But then I've got a I've got a child's mind sometimes. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I'll I'll say that I enjoyed my spy definitely. Cool. Okay, Rich it is again with a, a sense of trepidation <laughs> that uh, I ask, what have you watched this? I've only really watched two things. Um, hasn't really been a heavy uh, watch week for me. Um, I did watch Doom, uh, the the Rock um, version of Doom, not the one that came out last year. Uh, holds up the day, probably one of the best video game adaptations behind Mortal Kombat, not in front of Mortal Kombat, I'll say. Um, oh. It's a very, very, it, it's actually a good film. Like, I know it got a lot of grief because it was nothing like the game, really. And, you know, all the characters were just made for the film. Uh, and they just put, like, really daft Easter eggs in from, from the game, and it just didn't really make much sense. But it's quite a spooky film. It's got jump scares. It's got, you know, it's a bit of action. And it's got, like, The Rock looking like, trim and lean rather than just this mm-hmm. absolute massive muscle and uh so it's funny I, just, I, we, I caught two seconds of uh the jungle welcome to the jungle with sean william scott 
Yeah, and good. he literally looks like half the man he is today. Yeah. Man. It's, 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 it's so weird, like watching films from back then that you stick some like bear watch on. It's like, who's this guy and what's he being taken? But you uh, always remember him being big, though, don't you? You always think he's yeah. always a big guy, but then when you look at him and something like that, I think you see him in Moana, he's huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Believe the weight he put on for that. Uh, so, yeah. so Doom was just a quick evening watch. Uh, it was good, though. I enjoyed it. Was that on a streaming service or was that from your own collection? Um, I think it was on Prime. Uh, yeah, I think it was on Prime. So uh, we looked on Netflix. We were trying to find Deadpool, but you can't get Deadpool anywhere, not even Disney Plus, which is ridiculous. Um, but no, Deadpool you have to buy, sadly. Uh, second thing I watched, I sort of reverted back to being. I, I'm a bit of a man child anyway, but uh, I reverted to being more of a man child and I stuck some anime on, which you're probably not even bothered about. But I started an anime from 1999 called One Piece, which um, currently up to date now has 894 episodes and it's still going. <laughs> so it started in 1999 and it's still going now. It's up to 895, I think, this week. So uh, One Piece is just basically about uh, this guy who wants to become the king of all pirates. And he's like, he's basically made of rubber, if you know. That tickles your fancy. <laughs> he ate a fruit called the gum gum fruit and he turned into rubber. And it's all about him. He starts off on a little boat. He goes around. He's picking up different crews. You know, he's got like this hitman. There's this just um, pirate bounty hunter. Uh, so a captain, a cook. You know, he just goes around. And, you know, it's, it's just about his crew going on adventures and him being like a rubber person. And he has like funny names for all his moves like gum gum pistol and gum gum barrage. You're probably not going to be into it. Don't worry about it, right? I don't have anything to say, to be honest. I'm into it, right? The animation is absolutely terrible because it was from 1999, but it's uh, it's hooked us, and I've only got... Um, let's work out the maths here. You know how good I am at maths. I've got about 872 episodes to go, so... Uh, oh, there you go. So maybe, <laughs> maybe the time when you're back to work, you'll have, uh, you'll have got it all. So. And that is on a streaming service called Crunchyroll, which is basically... Uh, like a Netflix for anime. Um, and it's all like, it's simulcasts on like the same day that it comes out in Japan. It's out on this app. So, you know, you can see up to date. It's a, uh, I'm running a free trial on it at the minute. So if I get in, when well, I might have to be a monthly for it. Well, there we we'll go. see another streaming service. So uh, well, hopefully um, that's a new addiction. And uh, <laughs> I caught up with the newest episode of High School Musical, the musical, the series based on uh, High School Musical films. Is um, it still holding up? It's still mint, yeah. Uh, <laughs> every week, we're, you know, we'll prepare with food, we'll sit down and say, right, let's, let's put an episode of High School Musical, the musical series on, <laughs> followed by a Drag Race episode. So uh, that's like a, an evening we have together. But it's mint. Um, I find out like more little facts about it all the time. Like they didn't really hire real actors for it. I mean, they are real actors, but not like known. They were sort of theatre yeah. performers before, like, um, so I hadn't been in much else. And uh, you can tell because, you know, it's... It's a, a musical based on high school musicals. So they do well in the role, but uh, I've not seen them anywhere else. But it's still good. Yeah, it's getting towards the end, I think. Um, I'm hoping there's a season two based on, well, you Just know, they could do, yeah. do it three more ti- uh, two more times, can't they? There's two more films to uh, base a musical on. So, yeah. And uh, outside of that, just played a lot of video games, really. Just, uh, you know, as that, me and Dan were talking before, I've been in a little competition with my friends, uh, see who can play the most games, really. But uh, yeah, that's that's me. Week lockdown is going very well. <laughs> oh, 
before we move on to you, Dan, um, I would, uh, if you'll allow me a slight segue, did you watch, are you up to date with Drag Race? I am, yes. And are you happy with the final three? I'm, my favourite's still in there. Yeah, best three are in the final, I think, definitely. 100%. Thank God Sherry so, uh, Pye's not going to be in the final. Yes, indeed. Uh, I am uh, I'm going to, like, if you can uh, afford me a parlance of the time, I- I'm going to say hashtag Jada. Oh, I'm hashtag yeah. method. Oh, dear. Well, I guess we'll see you in two. We'll see you in two. All right. Yeah, fisticuffs. Bring on Excellent. the fisticuffs. <laughs> okay, so, um, Dan, bring us back down here. What have you been watching this week? So I managed to catch a few more films this week. Uh, we'll start with the best one. Uh, the best one was I watched the director's cut of Doctor Sleep. Oh, excellent! Which uh, is the sequel to The Shining. Uh, they didn't release the director's cut at the cinema. It came out on a very limited edition Blu-ray for some reason, which is now silly prices on eBay. Uh, but I sat down to watch that. It took about three attempts because Andrea fell asleep during each time, given the name Doctor Sleep, quite making it quite apt. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. It was really good. Um, much better than the theatrical release. It's about half an hour longer. It actually ties up to three hours, uh, which might people might balk a lot at, but uh, it's quite a big book compared to The Shining. And there's three different narratives that end up entwining, one of them which doesn't really make the film. Uh, it, Hugh McGregor is great as an older Danny Torrance, and it's, a, a, you know, it, all around it, considering what Mike Flanagan wanted to do with blending the Kubrick uh, imagery and iconography of the, the Shining film that Kubrick did and melding it with Stephen King's original Shining book and Dr. Sleep and staying honest to it. I thought he pulled it off really, really well uh, and much better than the critics were really giving the film credit for. And it also has an amazing performance by Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hutt, who is this delightfully evil, evil woman. Uh, it's not a scary film, Dave, so you could probably get away with watching it and not have nightmares. Excellent. Excellent. It's on my, it's on my list. I'm a, I'm a massive Hugh McGregor fan. Um, I did enjoy The Shining, um, despite the fact that, you know, Kubrick's film was completely different from what Stephen King wanted from the from an adaptation, I think. But uh, but I've heard good things because, in, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, Scatman Carruthers character doesn't die in the book uh, and appears in Doctor yeah, appears in Doctor Sleep, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Uh, and it's, it's a very good way they've done it uh, because though he doesn't die at the end of The Shining, in parts of the book, uh, he actually returns as something that Danny sees, like a spirit that Danny sees, like he visits him. Uh, so he's, he's actually, I mean, it's, it's not really a spoiler, but uh, he has passed away both in the book and the film, and he comes back. So it, the fact that he survived at the end of the original book, it, it's it's negligible for the progress in, in the film. It's just a shame that we didn't have Scatman Crothers actually reappear in Doctor Sleep. It would have been nice. But the guy who plays his character is really good. He has played absolute tear as well. Holy crap. It's uh, Carl Lumbly, who um, does the voice of Martian Manhunter and all the sort of Justice League cartoons and stuff. Um he was okay. in Alias and stuff like that. He's uh, quite a well, kind of well-known face, but uh, cool. Okay. So yeah, it's, Doctor Sleep is on my list, and it always, anytime when there's any type of scary movie or horror movie or anything, Kelly normally asks Dan if it's Dave friendly. Um, so obviously, I really wanted to see it. Um, so, I, but I had to check with Dan to see if I'd be able to watch it or not because I'm a massive coward. So, uh, so <laughs> it's good to get the Dan seal of approval as a. Uh, 
is it, it is Dave friendly? Excellent. So where did you, that was you got that on a director's edition DVD, yeah? Yeah, I had to get that on a Blu-ray. Uh, the other stuff I watched was uh, on Shudder. Uh, for all the grief I've given Shudder uh, recently, with its uh, slow sort of trickle of content compared to the US version. I've managed to catch a few good films, two that I've wanted to watch for many years and just never got around to, despite being a big horror fan. I watched uh, the Japanese audition, uh, I'll just say the Japanese film audition, and the Japanese original Dark Water by Hideo Nakata, who directed The Ring. Uh, audition features one of the most creepy premises I've ever watched in a film. Uh, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but I mean, it's, it's infamous for its sort of scenes of gore towards the end of the film. But the whole setup is a guy loses his wife, his wife passes away. And in the, sometime in the future, he's, get, he's sort of mentioned back to his, his son, mentions to him and his boss or his friend says, you should get yourself back out there and find a wife. And they end up holding like a sort of phony audition thing for a movie that they may or may not shoot so that he can then pick one of the actresses who comes in that meets the criteria that he has to, to then potentially meet and marry. Uh, and the guy's not a bad character, but that, that whole setup is, it's it's stomach turning, to be honest. Uh, and I can't imagine you getting away with it in a Western film, or even in any film these days. Uh, but he does get his sort of comeuppance, I guess, to a certain extent at the end. It does get a bit bloody. This is not Dave Friendly. Oh, I, do, I, remember, uh, I remember showing it in a cinema that I worked in. Or was it was it showing it? I can't. It came. It was. It was around when I was in the cinema, um, and yeah, it was. It's not something that I would watch. I don't think. No, it's uh, it does get a bit violent towards the end. Uh, but was, I mean, the only two hours long. It was a touch slow. Like the whole setup seemed to go on. Like it's not really a horror film until the the very like end of the end of the the film. Uh, so it was it was all right. Uh, the better one was Dark Water. Uh, uh, much more of a drama than a horror, and it might actually be Dave oh, Friendly. Excellent. Uh, not that you're going to be in a rush to oh, see no. it, but I mean, there are there is a there are like sort of spectral like ghosts in it, but there's nothing like really bad, like jump scary. It's more of a family drama than anything, and it's got a really, a, apart from the very end scene, which is completely unnecessary in my opinion, it's got a very good end to the film, and I'd thoroughly recommend it. I've not watched the American remake, but I learned my lesson when I watched the remakes of pretty much every other Japanese or Asian horror film. So I'm probably not going to be in a rush to watch that. And last but not least, I want to give a shout out to an uh, indie film called Blood I was Quantum, just about to say it to you. I was going to say it to you if you want to, because I'd watched it and I was going to ask if you wanted to watch it as well. But, and then I could talk about it next week. But uh, I've just watched it like two days ago, but uh, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't on the list. Yeah. No, uh, Blood Quantum, I enjoyed it. Uh, it feels, it's a... It's a zombie film, uh, and it's—I mean—it's got like social commentary that that it's about as subtle as a hammer to the face. Uh, it's about a some Native American like a, a zombie outbreak occurs, and uh, the an Indian res- Native American reservation uh, they discover that they've got an immunity to this virus, and obviously it plays on like sort of anti-colonialism and uh, white people coming into their place of living and potentially bringing viruses and death with them. You know, that that's, it's very pertinent and it's the sort of stuff that you'd get from a George Romero zombie film. And I really like that about it. And now it is very much an independent film and you do get that a bit. Like it's editing's a little bit choppy. Um, and it could do a little bit of, do with a little bit of refining. But I think, 
you, you don't get films these days with Native American casts, you know? Like, the, the most you'll get is a random drunk here or the runner casino in some TV show. Or you've got uh, Martin Sent. Oh, I forgot his surname, who was in Magnificent Seven. Uh, so it's, it's really good to see that sort of inclusion in a film. And it's got some great gore and sort of 80s-style vibes. Uh, it's worth a watch if you're a horror fan. Uh, not dear friend. Okay. Not dear friend, Excellent. you know. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much, lads. Uh, for me, I've actually watched quite a bit this week. Um, I start with a film I caught on Amazon Prime called 21 Bridges. Um, it's produced uh, by the Russo brothers. Um, with uh, the awesome Chadwick Boseman in the lead. Um, he is a decorated uh, New York detective um, who has a bit of a uh, reputation as a cop killer. No, the killer of cop killers. Yeah, that's it. So um, it starts off with the, these two guys go and rob a, a drug dealer. They get discovered by cops. They slaughter them all. And then Chadwick Boseman comes in to sort of track them down. It's a kind of citywide manhunt. He closes the 21 bridges into Manhattan and uh, and stuff like that. It was a decent action film. Um, it's a, quite a brisk one hour, 40 minutes. Um, but you could tell it's pretty much being edited down by some, from something much, much bigger. Um, it just feels a bit slight. Um, it is very derivative, um, and you know, as soon, as soon as a character walked onto the screen, I said to Kelly, "I was like, yeah, that 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 was him, or her, or that was this, or that, or," and and it turned out that that was exactly what it was. Now, it, it felt like like he got places really, really quickly. I mean, I get that he's a good cop, but he interviews one person, and then he's kind of figured out the entire thing. Um, and as I say, but it doesn't kind of take away because he's so good. You know, um, I've I've loved Chadwick Boseman long since before um, uh, Black Panther. Like, I thought he was great in a in a little film we spoke about a couple of weeks ago called Forty Two, where he played Jackie Robinson. Um, he's great in Draft Day and um, a number of other things. But uh, it's worth a watch. As I say, it's one hour forty minutes. It, it you know it's it's enjoyable despite having Sienna Miller in it, which is you know. Uh, that that's a, a mean feat for any film because um, I do not rate her at all. Um, it also has uh, the wonderful J.K. Simmons in it and uh, quite uh, podgy Taylor Kitsch as well. So um, if you want a brisk uh, cop thriller that you don't have to think too much about, um, then check out 21 Bridges. If you've seen a cop film before, um, you kind of just don't look too closely at it because you'll be able to figure it all out within about two seconds. Um, Much Better was uh, on Netflix. Finally got around to watching The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, um, which was the Coen Brothers kind of latest um, film that they did for Netflix uh, about two years ago, I think it was now. Um, It's just glorious. Like, it is just glorious. Um, it is a collection of six stories, of which The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is the first one. So it starts off with this kind of like leather-bound uh, book called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Other Tales of the American Frontier. Um, and uh, 
I mean, I am a massive Coen Brothers fan, and anyone else who is will know that their work is very heavily influenced by America's West. Um, you know, they, like they've, they've done a kind of, I mean, No Country for Old Men obviously was a, was a good example of a bit, just dotted throughout their work, like the sort of American touch points of their history has always plays into their work quite a lot. Um, and this is just a love letter to a period in time. Um, so there's six, as I say, six different stories, each completely different, um, each brilliant in their own way, uh, but all tinged Coen Brothers, like trademark black comedy, trademark tragedy. Um, you know, you, anyone who's seen a Coen Brothers film, if you have a character who is remorse or well-intentioned, you know that they are not heading for a good ending. You know, it just seemed they seem to punish the punish the nice people and like the but um it, it's just I, I cannot speak highly enough for it. I mean there are some sections that are um that are stronger than others. Like the 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 ballad of Buster Scruggs one is is just brilliant. Um and then there's there's one called the Meal Ticket which has uh Liam Neeson. That's probably the most challenging um, but there's still something to admire in it, you know. Um, and like you could, like they do love the old west, and you you can tell they've done their homework as well. Like in each segment, tinged with a kind of great, uh, like filmmaker. So for the the James Franco um, segment, it's got like it's like throws back to sort of Sergio Leone's spaghetti westerns. The uh, section with uh, Zoe Kazan sort of echoes John Ford and the kind of sprawling West and even the Buster Scruggs one, the kind of shootouts are kind of hark back to kind of Peckinpah and stuff. And uh, it's just, I mean, I'm I'm not a massive Western fan. I enjoy them. I appreciate them. Uh, but I'm a massive Cohen fan. And my God, this is just everything I wanted a Cohen Bowles film to be. Uh, okay, so... Uh, they can check that out on Netflix and just please do because it is just wonderful. Um, and then I will quickly talk about the season finale of Modern Family, which aired on Friday night, just gone. Um, I think uh, anyone else who's followed this series for 11 years have obviously fell in love with the characters and it was an emotional farewell even though they've kind of in the last two years began to outstay their welcome and sort of wandered into caricature a little bit. Um, that show has had so much to say and uh, like the social comment, the fact that they have done so much for, you know, gay couples and adoption and like the, the new sort of family unit and stuff. Uh, and it was just a lovely farewell and uh, I kind of really enjoyed that. So they were the three things that I watched. Um, before we move on though, I just want to mention now, I normally, if there are people out there en masse who watch something and talk about it constantly, I will probably wait about two years before I watch it. So uh, Game of Thrones being one, uh, The Walking Dead being another, Tiger, and all that you know, the stuff like that. Um, I, ever made, uh, I, 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 however, made an exception this week. Uh, and last night, I watched the first episode of The Last Dance which is the Chicago Bulls uh, Michael Jordan documentary. Um, I have since spoke to James about this, uh, who finished it uh, this week. Yes. We are going to wait and we're going to talk about it in some detail next week. Um, I hope I'm not over-egging the pudding by saying the first episode was one of the best hours 
of television that I think I've seen in all year, I would say. So I'm looking forward to what comes there. So we will talk more in detail. James, does it hold up after, like, obviously I've just seen the first episode, but is it as good as that? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. It, it's a, it's a, it, yeah, there's, there's, there are peaks and troughs in the stories. There's some, there's a bit of, they kind of get to the, it, it can tell the story of, the, of that season, that last season. And there's a little bit in the mid, in the mid, mid season where it's just, it's just the kind of have to fill it out, the pad it out a little bit. But no, it, it, even then, the, the, the kind of people they bring in to talk, uh, absolutely top notch. So sort of Barack they know, Obama was in one yes, episode, the first yeah, episode. But. Yeah, and and it, but then it's it's and then but he's also it's not just because oh he, he's a he's the president who happened to come from Chicago. He he speaks. I can't remember if it's in the first episode or later on. He speaks about Michael Jordan's impact on on Chicago and on the world. Sort of later on, he's obviously he's very eloquent. But it's everyone everyone who's interviewed. Isn't just, no one's just there because oh it's a famous person who likes basketball let's get them in or it, it's a player who happened to play with him let's get him in. every every person who's on it contributes significantly to the to the to the documentary they've got something different and interesting to say and it's uh, yeah it's 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 so good it's really good it's really really Excellent. good and I've, the only thing is just resist looking up anything that happens because it does it tells you pretty much everything you want to know about Michael Jones' career if you can resist. Just find oh, did he win that game back in whatever year it was? Just don't do that. Just, so, just follow the follow the show. Well, the thing is, I can I remember it. I remember mm. Jordan. I remember mm. him coming back from when he went and played baseball, obviously because Space Jam was kind of all around that time. And uh, I was always more of a Scotty Pippen fan, you know. So I'm like, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all mm. how it all shakes out. But we'll talk about that in more detail next. Week. Um, but as I say, if uh, if you've seen The Last Dance and want to contribute, then drop us a line. Okay, so that is what we've watched this week. So we're going to move on. Before we move on to our topic of the week, we are going to have our Usher versus Usher versus Usher challenge. Uh, Dan is uh, currently on a streak of two in a row. Um, I think it's three. Oh, it is three in a row. Excuse me. Yes, it is. Um, so this week, um, I have chosen a family film. Um, and you're going to have to go down the cast list now. I, I could probably I got ten because I couldn't oh. remember one of the names, right? So, um, I'm going to look for. I'm taking you back to 1985, okay? Um, and the film that I'm talking about is The Goonies, okay? So you're going to give me people who are billed in the original cast of The Goonies, if you can give me the actor. Uh, you don't have to give me the character, but it would be you could show off your film knowledge, if you will. So, Rich, I'm going to start with you. Okay, so if you can give me anyone who appeared in the goodies, just because I've recently watched a Facebook video of him wearing a goose hat, is uh Jeff Cohen uh, who played Chunk? Jeff Cohen did play Chunk, and uh, the. The Goonies was the highlight of his acting career. Um, uh, another highlight of his career at mentioned when he got to meet me. Um, so good, good for him. So that is correct. So James, um, this might be a struggle because I don't like the Goonies Ooh. as much as a lot of people. Well, as as much as probably anyone. I I, I think it's all right. I think it's massively overrated though. Um, so, but I, I know, I know Josh, Josh Brolin, isn't it? Josh Brolin plays Brand. Correct. Dan? Is there an eject button I can press to get James to leave? I know. Uh, it's just, uh, is Anna busy, Rich? Can we bring her in? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get her in. 
I will go. I mean, obviously, he's he's going to feature very soon, and what I'm going to be talking about later. Uh, Sean Aston played Mikey. He did indeed play Mikey. Yep, Rich. Oh, I've got one more up my sleeve that I'm out. Um, Corey Feldman. I can't remember who he played though. Uh, mouth. 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 James. Okay. Um, I think that's it for me. I, I knew those guys. I was kind of hoping that that people would try. No, that's it. I, I don't. Um, wow. No, I don't, I'm um, surprised. I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, that, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. It's out, Dan. Uh, Joe Pantoliano featured in it as one of the Fratelli oh boys. I, I don't remember the character's name. Uh, he plays Francis Fratelli. Yep. So there we go. Three. Right. Um, so in the Goonies, uh, was that Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I have no idea. Okay, Dan, for a four in a row, one more actor. Uh, Joe Pantoliano's brother is played by Robert Darby. Indeed. He is Jake Fratelli. Um, okay, so you could have had Kerry Green, who played Andy. You could have had Martha Plimpton, who played Steph. Uh, Catherine Hepburn in this one. Catherine Hepburn played Data. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he's played by uh, Ki Hoi Kwan. Um, then you had Anne, Anne Ramsey, who played Ma Fratelli. And the one I forgot was John Matusak, who played Sloth. So um, that is another and an absolute shocker from James, who doesn't like the good. Okay. So that segues quite nicely into our conversation about the family film. Um, now, The Goonies, I remember in 1985, was uh, taken to the cinema to see Back to the Future. And uh, I said to my mother, I want to see Back to the Future. I want to see Back to the Future. To which she, she said, no, and basically said it's all about a film about a boy who falls in love with his mother uh, so I did not go and see that um, and didn't watch Back to the Future for ages after because I thought it was really creepy um, I went and saw The Goonies instead and uh, anyone who's not seen Back to the Future it's nothing like that it's <laughs> very innocent um, so The was a very high place in my heart. Um, but we're going to start with you, James. If you don't like The Goonies, tell me, what pray tell family films do you yeah. like? So, so I also, I'll, I'll get out there as well. There's another film, I also don't really like Jumanji as well. Um, oh. I'll put that one in there as well. So another film that I think just, and, and I'm, I'm going to go for it. Hook as well. I think Hook's overrated as well. I'm with you on both of them. I didn't like that. I like the new Jumanji, but I didn't like the Robin yeah. Williams one. I'll, I'll just chuck a couple of them in as well, just to get the hate, get the hate mail really going. Um, but I think, I think the best family film, um, and this also could be the best uh, rom com, the best action adventure film, the best oh, wow. fantasy film is of course up this one. Is of course the Princess Bride. Indeed, it is. I like it. There's a good left hand joke in that one. I think <laughs> there is. He, yeah. There's one left hand, and he puts a sword in the other hand. You got no. Nah, I can do it with this. It's great. Honestly, watch it. It's good. <laughs> he goes uh, incompossible or something as well, doesn't he? Yes, that's, that, it, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, the classic line. My name's uh, something, and uh, you, you killed me, Dar. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> anybody want a walnut? Is that that? Was that, that, was that. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's just. It's just. Uh, I, I, I don't know how much we need to discuss it because it is. If anyone hasn't seen The Princess Bride, like... Yeah, catch up. Come on. Watch you should have watched it. it years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's such a funny film. Um, and it's it's so... 
cheesy and sickly, but yet it undercuts all of that by having a framing structure that allows them to, to go as far as they want and then just bring it all back yeah. to basic being. Um, I, th- I think D- Dave called it a, like a like a love story of um, like a like a love story to fairy tales. Yeah. Um, and and basically that's what it is. Uh, so yeah, the Princess Bride is my will be my my favorite kind of family film, but both in the fact it, in, both in terms of it has a family in it, and yes. it also is is the perfect film to watch with any any, any sort of any sort of cross section of your family. And it's also it's not just the kids' film as well. There is plenty in there for everyone to everyone to enjoy. I think. Um, uh, another one that I'll I'll chuck in is. Um, uh, it's slightly, slightly skewed, slightly younger, but um, the Muppets, um, the the most, the, not the most recent one, but the uh, the uh, Jason Segel, um, oh yeah, it's beautiful uh, Muppets film from uh, 2010, was it? Yeah. I think it was. Um, yeah, yeah, with, uh, yeah, and th- that'd be that'd be another one that again, I think it's 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 delightful, absolutely delightful. It's from from the very first song, all the way through. It's just it's just a like a such a beautiful, well-constructed film that kind of stands on its own. But again, it's like a it's like a love letter to everything, everything about the Muppets as well. Um, I think that was um, that particularly important to me because it was one of, other than Frozen, um, it was the first film Para really got a hold of, mm-hmm. and it was it was like when as soon as it was finished, it was back on again. As soon mm-hmm. as it was finished, it was back on again. She carried a Walter doll about with her for, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I just, I, I completely agree with you. So, I mean, again, I was never the biggest fan of the Muppets. I never really watched them when I was younger. Um, I thought that the, the the Muppet movies I didn't really like beyond like the sort of Christmas Carol and stuff. But um, which is why I kind of never really watched it at the cinema. And it wasn't until Cara saw it on Sky or something, and um, just wonderful that that whole from the very first song, as you say, it's just completely delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's a great choice. Yeah, and I'll, I'll chuck another one in. Um, so uh, the, the other one I was going to chuck in was we, we talked about uh, Martin Scorsese last week, um, and he he kind of got given the Oscar for The Departed, which is which is a good film. But I don't think I think if they hadn't given it for him, he would have won it for Hugo a few years later. Oh, and that, definitely. That is a that, that's another absolutely beautiful film that's kind of steeped in it's steeped in. Um, Sort of about loss, and it's about an orphan who's in sort of a Paris train station, and there's a automaton that his dad was building, and um, it's just, it's just, I, I said it, said it sometimes. It's just a beautiful film, and and then also it's absolutely enriched in sort of the history of cinema as well, with um, with who the who the kind of mysterious older gentleman turns out to be, as well. Um, it's just just a that's Hugo by a. But from Martin Scorsese, and it's just a beautiful family film. Um, shows shows that he's more than just gangsters and and crime film. Um, it's such a well put together sort of like film. So that'd be that'd be my three. Okay, uh, excellent. Okay, so James, um, much like we used to be last week with Han Solo, um, the Princess Bride is the correct answer. Okay. Um, I think that was it was definitely really high up on on my list. Um, I think for me, uh, Back to the Future is um, is one because it's one of those films when I when I was younger. If I watched once, I watched it. I would watch it. I would rewind the VHS and watch it again. Um, I just absolutely adored it. And even now, 
Like it's one of those films where, um, like, I'm, anytime Kelly and I are looking for something to watch, I always suggest it. Can we watch Back to the Future? Um, and she'll say, "Oh, we should watch that with Cara." And then, like, that was about probably about four years ago. <laughs> or so, and it, it's one of those films that it's only it's quite short, so we can fit it in before either of us fall asleep. Um, it's just a really good action film. It's really, um, and then even the sequel, like Back to the Future Two, you know, gets a bit timey wimey and and stuff. But it, just as a complete trilogy, it's it's just wonderful. Um, so alongside the Princess Bride, I would put Back to the Future. Um, the more modern um, type of films, the one I'm gonna I'm gonna put in uh, into your Hugo slot, uh, James, would be uh, Paddington Two. Oh yeah, um, I think Paddington Two was one of the most charming. Uh, I think the word "delightful" was yeah. was was made to describe this film. It just it's got such a warm heart. I mean, the first one's good as well, um, mm. but there's just something about this one because um, like at this point he's like padding part of the Brown family and mm-hmm. it just feels so wholesome and lovely and and then just that turn by Hugh Grant man it's yes. just glorious you know and um, yeah I th- as I said I, I think the word delight for Paddington yes. too it's one of the most heartwarming kind of film that whole bit where like uh, at the start where Paddington interacts with everybody in the street. <laughs> and then they call back when he's in jail later on, they call back to the street and the whole place is just bleaker without him, you know, yeah. and it's just such a lovely image um, of how he's fitted into these unusual circumstances um, and then like, obviously when he gets all the when he gets into, into the prison and feeds them all marmalade sandwiches and, uh, it's just <laughs> absolutely wonderful man wonderful um, and if I could just mention one more um, the one I would mention would be School of Rock. Oh yes. Um, again, so Cara, uh, who's my eight-year-old, she started watching Nickelodeon. Did a spin-off of it, um, and it was bloody terrible. <laughs> like, and she was like, "Dad, come watch this show called School of Rock." And I was like, "All right, okay." And I watched an episode. I was like, "Right, put this off." She's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Put this off," and I put it off. And I was like, "Right, so you're sitting with me and we're watching a film." And we sat and we watched School of Rock together. Um, and she was a bit unsure at first, um, but then as soon as I told her that uh, the little girl was from iCarly, uh, she was completely tuned in after that, you know. Um, and uh, we we just love it. And anytime it comes on, if it's on Sky, Carol shouts and we'll go down and we'll watch like however long of it's left or anything, because um, it, it's a great film. Like just anyway, and Jack Black is really restrained in it. I think that's one of the issues with Jack Black when he's in. Like a, a film that's designed for for adults, um, mm. that he, he, he kind of just lets he's kind of let go a little bit. When he's really restrained in this, um, and uh, like the music is brilliant. Uh, the kids are really cool. Like they, they walk watch the right walk the right side of annoying, which is quite difficult mm. for kid actors sometimes, particularly that many of them. Um, and then obviously it's got a, a nice little support in turn from the the wonderful Joan Cusack. Yes. Um, so yeah, so I think the Princess Bride, sorry, the Princess Bride, um, School of Rock, I would add. So um, so I think my three would be Back to the Future, Paddington Two, and School of Rock. Given the fact that um, the Princess Bride is the correct answer. <laughs> okay, so uh, Dan, what about you? Uh, so. Uh... 
some of my choices sort of closely align with my, uh, the upcoming topic, which we'll be talking after this. Uh, for me, the film that we just had the quiz on, uh, The Goonies, is one of my favourite films of all time. Uh, and made me envious that I don't have the opportunity to have that kind of adventure in the northeast unless I want to go get needles in my feet or glass on my elbows. Uh, it's just such, I mean, not only it's not necessarily a film about, it's a family film, but it's not necessarily a film about an immediate family. It's about your your family of friends that you have and the the, the trials and tribulations that you go through is a, is a circle. And it's, I mean, it's fun. It's action-packed. Uh, this is like, this is an age when child actors were like, much more prolific, I guess, and a lot of people in this film are not to have really great careers. Um, it's it's one of the best family films of all time, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and I'm so surprised that James <laughs> feels otherwise. And it's just when I thought I knew someone, he, he comes out and says that. Uh, but no, I love the Goonies. Uh, it's 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 fantastic. I, I, I can't. I'm, most people have seen it. Uh, it's a brilliant film. I love it. Uh, and it's also directed by Rob Reiner, who's one of the best directors. Uh, isn't it directed by Richard Donner? Uh, yeah. Richard Donner, <laughs> sorry, yes, Richard Donner. That's what I meant. Rob Reiner, yes. Oh my goodness, Richard that's Donner. Not... It is Richard so Donner. So anyone who listens with any um, regularity will know that um, as knowledgeable as we are in film, we've made some uh, whopping mistakes. <laughs> uh, particularly James uh, on one of the early podcasts uh, describes Star Wars as Star Trek or vice versa. Um, I um, said that uh, Clark Duke um, appeared in Spencer Potential. A little white kid from Hot Tub Time Machine appeared <laughs> instead of the guy from uh, Black Panther. So it's a it's a common Winston Winston, Winston Duke. Duke. There you go. Yeah. So it's a it's a well trodden uh, Snowy Usher's trope that we sometimes get the the wrong name. So as I say, Catherine Keener was not in Shit's Creek, <laughs> and. Uh, Richard Donner and not Rob Reiner <laughs> directed to directed that, that, that feels like an egregious mistake <laughs> on my behalf. Uh, was, I think did did was it Rob Reiner who did a few? Yes, good it men? was, and also who did uh, yeah, did he stand by me? Didn't he? And the princess. Yeah, I've Bride. been I, I've been thinking a lot about a few good men recently, and yeah. I, I, I'm going to blame that. I feel like I'm having <laughs> a meltdown on daytime TV. Yeah, so it it was directed by Richard Donner, who, in my opinion, is one of the greatest directors of all time, and doesn't get enough sort of mentioned throughout his, uh, his body of work. Uh, following that, uh, I think a beautiful film from the 90s is uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, Robin Williams, because he, a lot, I watched a lot of his films growing up, he obviously was a, he was a box office star at the time when I was going to the cinema a lot when I was younger, and Mrs. Doubtfire and Andrew Banji obviously come out very close together. Uh, a film that I watched again recently because uh, Andrea, my wife, loves it. And I forget how good and how well it holds up. Uh, just a simple message about a, a father who's trying his damn best to stay in touch with his kids during a divorce, which isn't a one that gets completely overplayed and they hate each other. Uh, it, is, it feels organic and natural. Uh, it's just a lovely film with some lovely, nice comedy from Robin Williams. Uh, playing a, a, a fake Scottish uh, maid that comes in a... I don't know why I'm explaining it. Everyone sees this stuff here. Um, and then following that, I had to throw an animation film in. One that I've only been thinking about again recently, and I, I, I really want to watch it again, is I think one of the first... Or one of the few times 
of remember feeling sad watching the film, but maybe not having the sort of emotional growth that or development that I had as a kid to really comprehend what was going on and how how sad I might be is the land before time. I think is a is a wonderful animation film uh, from Don Bluth who went on to I had a huge body of work with Disney and did his own stuff with Spielberg uh, and Lucas, which was some of the best animated films before Disney sort of came around in the 90s. Uh, the Land Before Time, which has about 19 entries uh, in its franchise following the first film, it's it's heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. You know, a film about it's the best film about dinosaurs outside of Jurassic Park. Um, and if you haven't seen it and you like animation films, I recommend going back and watching it and trying not to cry. Okay, excellent. So, Rich, over to you, yeah. my friend. Uh, try and get us down from that emotional peak that Dan has taken to with his description of Land Before Time. Uh, so I've, brought, I've, that has brought, I've, has brought back some memories for me, man. So, I mean, I've got a quick few that uh, like, I haven't watched. Like, I think I've watched a good family film for, like, years because I always go back to sort of, like, 90s family films because uh, I think that was, like, a good time for them. Um I mean, my first one, oddly enough, came out in 2005, which is The Weatherman, starring uh, obviously everyone's yeah. favourite, Nicolas Cage. It's a, it's an odd one to put as a family film because the film's a constant downer like through the whole thing. It's like a man struggling with his life and his family. He's like on the verge of losing everything. Uh, he hates his job, just, you know, down in his luck. And uh, there's something about sort of, like, Gore Verbinski sort of, you know, he did Pirates and then he did this, and then went on to do two other pirates films back to back. So I think this was like quite a good palate cleanser for him, um, like dropping this something a bit smaller uh, and just sort of working with like, you know, a completely different style of cast. Uh, and Nick Cage is quite controlled in this, except there's like a, a really mad sort of archery scene. Like it was a bit crazy. Uh, I think it just resonates with us because it's that one scene where he, he sort of by like his daughter says like, she likes oh, archery shows a little interest and he goes like mad buys all the archery stuff gets her all the gear and then like she's just not really into it and like she's sort of of trying to force something on to his family that because that was always like me and you know my dad tries to get us into rugby and stuff he bought us all and just i didn't fancy it and i was like i can i could sort of resonate with like what this dad's kind of going through because i sort of had a similar family situation my dad wasn't a weatherman but (laughs) uh, (laughs) he sort of you know um there, there was bits in the film that like i could you know, see from my own life, and it's got Nicholas Cage in, so yes, it's a it's a win. I don't know what you think of it, Dave. Is it a, is it top of your list? So, um, it's it's not it's one of my favourite Nicholas Cage films, but it, it's one of the films where it's one of the films I point to when people say how bad an actor Nicholas Cage is. I was like, no, he has become what he is. But go and watch <laughs> this, this, and this, and Weatherman is one of the films that I say watch him in that. Yeah, and then come back and he's a bad actor. Because he unbelievably isn't, you know, and that, and that, he, I thought he was fantastic in that film, but uh, but I, I wouldn't put it at the top of my family film list. I don't no, think it would. It's uh, definitely I don't an think odd it would, family um, film. It wouldn't uh, dislodge, say, Paddington too, but you, no. you know, in terms of heartwarmingness. But uh, uh, so second on my list is another one about like a down in this look dad, which is Liar Liar. Um, I mean, there's not really like Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm sure everyone's seen Liar Liar multiple times. Uh, you know, probably. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't say the best Jim Carrey, your favorite Jim Carrey film, because that's uh, Dumb and Dumber, probably. But it's definitely up there. Um, obviously, even now the jokes still land. He's a. Uh, I think the claw thing 
from that film sort of it's like transcends like generations you know? <laughs> and like most people know what the claw is uh and i'm sure people have done it to their kids uh multiple times uh but I yeah it's a good film more than i uh, if you've but... used the claw, I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've actually seen you use the claw. You might have used it on me when I was around. Well, this is <laughs> I was never running around Dave's backyard while he chased with the claw. Don't worry. <laughs> but uh, no, that's a, it because the whole lion aspect of it. I think it's it's a good um, premise for a film based around like a, a failing family, and uh, I think the when the stepdad. Who, Who's the stepdad again? I'm sure I've seen him in something recently. Uh, is he not from The Princess Bride, the stepdad? Uh, is it Carrie? Oh, God, there you're saying. Um, two seconds. What's Pierce Brosnan? No, that's Mrs. Doubtfire. Ignore me. I'm being yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire. I, hey, I'm, not on the, I'm not jumping on the wrong name train, okay? Oh, we're ready. We're ready. Uh, hang on. <laughs> uh, it is... Yeah, it's Carrie. Oh, well done, Rich. You're yeah, almost I think his... his his role in the film is quite good because he just wants to be like a good stepdad to the son and like the son's not really having any of it because he's sort of like an imitation and uh i don't know it sort of hits it's quite hard it's got like it's emotional moments but like you know every every film has it's got it's up it's down it's or the the, the heroes sort of failed at the end oh and he's come back now and he, everything's great but uh, it's a very good family film um uh, fantastic everyone's seen it it's uh the whole the, bl- the, the blue pen and the uh, the pen is blue the royal blue it's a very good, <laughs> it's a very good scene. I'm not going to try and reenact it, but uh, that's uh, fantastic. The comedy holds up really well in that film. I, I watched the clip leading up to the red pen, blue pen <laughs> bit, and I, it, I was laughing at it on just watching the clip on YouTube. Like I don't think anybody could do that. With like, an Jim elastic Curry face. <laughs> yeah, like his face is just, is is fast talking when he's walking through the office on the way to doing the pen bit when he's talking to everybody and he, he's t- completely telling the truth about what his receptionist hair looks like and about the guy's weight and whatnot and it, it, it's just it's so quick fast fast paced and really funny uh i, I couldn't see anybody else doing no, that. Definitely not. and it's also it's also some of his best emotional beats as well in a film and uh, the whole it, it's the way he moves his body it's got like the whole um ace ventura thing as well it's uh i don't know he, he does very good um contortions <laughs> in films i think as well as uh you know, hitting the jokes. So third and last one is Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Uh, I, I class this as a family film. 100%, yeah. Um, I mean, the story is what it is. You know, he changes the weather and the food. And uh, <laughs> it's probably not the the best uh, animated film like out there. You know, I mean, you could argue Toy Story's better. Uh, Minions could be better, despicable one me. But uh, there's something about just the wackiness of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and even like the sequel. Um, I think it was just Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs too. There's something meat- about some of, the, some of the dumb jokes. Like the, there was a bit in the trailer about having a leak in the car and then he turns around and there's like a leak in the back seat. And I was like, oh, yeah. there's something about that, that stupid humor that just uh, really just, you know, it, it, it goes a long way when uh, a lot of films are trying to pull off you know, humor for adults. Uh, it's like, because you know, a lot of animated films like, oh, adults can get a lot out of this. You know, it's not just for kids, but I think which a lot of these jokes are just for kids. It's like, they're so simple and meatballs come from the sky. So, and I love food. Excellent. So yeah, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs too. Uh, also pairs well with the weatherman. 
does, yes. And um, the Cry of a Chance of Meatballs also features Bruce Camp in the, the voice cast. Yeah. I was going to say, like, you're doing, you're doing it in a service by, like, what Toy Story doesn't have is Bruce Campbell. Or <laughs> so, oh, yes, yes, it is as well. You know? yeah. I, like um, I did not know Bruce Campbell was in that film. So, he plays the man. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so Bruce Campbell, we... extra points, there you go. <laughs> okay, so before we move on, I feel it only right that I should make an admission um, following um, everyone's list of family films. And uh, the admission I would like to make is this. I have never seen that Message Doubtfire. Yeah. What? Uh, Catherine Hepburn. Your Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> that is it? my Catherine Hepburn, yeah. I have never seen Message Doubtfire. So there you go. So it's, yeah. So... I don't why? know. I just, why, why I just, I just never, I just never got round to it. It's one of those things that I just, I missed it at the cinema, and it just, any time it's been on, I've never been in company that I've watched it, and it's never anything that I've wanted to put on myself. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I, I don't know if I've told Kelly that I've never seen it, but um, I imagine if I do tell her and she hasn't known, then I will probably have seen it by the time the next podcast rolls round. But yeah. <laughs> um, I have uh, I have never seen uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, so there you go. That is a uh, is Mrs. Doubtfire my princess bride, Rich? I don't. Know. I think it but, is. Uh, I think you might have to watch it and get back to it. Okay, so I do, it, as a Scottish person, I thought it would have been obligatory for you to watch a film where someone pretends to be Scottish. Yeah, we're, we're that desperate for representation on screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we've got Euphemia Doubtfire as. Uh, her and William yeah. Wallace. And that's it. <laughs> oh, you're right. On that bombshell, um, we went away this week and we were thinking about if we were going to build an ultimate um, cinema family or movie family. Uh, we for a dad, a mum, two kids, and a pet, um, and then maybe one other member. Um, so let's start with you, James. Um, who is your ultimate cinema dad? So I did have a few options because um, the thing I found settled on was I wanted someone, the, the dad, I wanted them to be someone who would do anything for their kids and for their family. And um, so obviously there's quite a, it's, it's quite a, a well well done trope in, in cinema. Um, but I kind of settled on um, Clark Gis- Griswold from the uh, from the vacation, the National Lampoon vacation films. Um, the Chevy Chase character in those ones, just the lens that that guy goes to to. Um, to make sure that his family have the best possible vacation uh, and then have the best possible um, Christmas that they can have in those films. Um, I just think he won't let them get in the way of his, of his, his family's enjoyment, apart from his own, his own ego. I think that's the only thing that will stop him. So uh, from, from the, from the early, from the early eighties uh, National Lampoon films or mid eighties National Lampoon films, it'd be Clark, Clark, Clark Griswold from the, uh, Played by Chevy Chase in those films. You will be happy to know, James, that you are now allowed to our house. When you mentioned how bad space balls were, you upset Kelly to the point where she barred you. But I am sure now uh, you have mentioned Clark Griswold, then you'll be allowed back in. Just a slight aside to that um, when uh, I first started dating my wife, um, it was kind of round about Christmas time. And uh, she was going on about how that National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation was her favourite film. Um, so I told her it was also one of my favourite Christmas films, in spite of the fact that I'd never seen it. <laughs> um, 
So I watched it and then watched it with her for about two years before I finally, after we were married, I had to admit that I absolutely hated it. But uh, by then it was too late. We'd already been married and had a child. So yeah, she was kind of stuck with us. But um, but there we go. There we go. Uh, okay, sorry, Rich, who would your uh, cinema dad uh, for no other reason than I'm being quite smart, it's uh, going to be Wayne Zielinski from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just think gr- growing up, he would like make some like really cool stuff here. I mean, I was hoping, I would hope my dad would put a lock on the door so that me, you know, if my basketball went in there, got stuck in a machine, and um, it wouldn't shrink me and almost kill me by getting swept in the trash. Um, uh, apart from that, I just think that even just Rick Moranis in general is, you know. Always plays a cool sort of dad role. Uh, not in Ghostbusters, obviously. But uh, yeah, Wayne Zielinski. Um, oh, I mean, Christmases would get a bit boring because he would just like build you something like, you know, the hot new toy. It's like, oh, no, don't worry. I got you. I've built you one. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. Yeah, just what all the kids have. Uh, something my dad built. Um, but yeah, it would be like a Wallace and Gromit type house that you would have. Oh, yeah. I think I-, I always wanted that that sort of routine in the morning where you would just it would just get dressed for you and butter your toast and jam your toast and cut the cheese and that. So uh, <laughs> Wayne Zielinski from uh, Honey, I Shrew the Kids and the sequels in the TV show. Excellent. Cool. Daniel? Uh, so my father uh, in this family is, as I alluded to earlier, is going to be Daniel Hillard, who is Robin Williams in Mrs. Doubtfire. Excellent. Uh, uh, this guy will, will do anything, much like has been said before, he would do anything for his kids uh, to the point where he would dress up as a Scottish maid house cleaner in order to be close to them during the course of a divorce. Uh, not only is it, I mean, who wouldn't want Robin Williams as a father? You know, that the guy just seems so affable and lovely. Uh, and in this film, like his, his heart's in the right place and he's just a big kid at the end of the day. Uh, all, all attributes, I think, would be helpful in a, in a father. Okay. Um, okay, so for me, I've kind of gone a little bit differently. I have gone for Julius Levinson, um, who, if anyone recognises that character, anything, anyone? Mm, no? No. Julius, Julius Levinson is Jeff Goldblum's dad in Independence Day. Oh. Um, I just... I mean, Independence. Like I was kind of looking through it. I had I had kind of loads of kind of like really famous ones, like Jim's dad and like Liam Neeson from Taken, which I'm sure loads of us have got that. But then when I, I thought about it, I was like, he's my favourite character in that. Outside Will Smith, obviously. Um, but I just love how much he like loves his son. Like his son, he's like he's obviously his son's grown up and and stuff, and it's a little bit different. But it's like he's so loyal, and like there's a bit on um on Air Force One where everyone's kind of getting on his back including the president and he just stands up and he's like you all would be dead if it wasn't for my David um, and he has that brilliant kind of bit where he, it's really heartfelt and it's really heartfelt defence of his son and you know and it, it's just a, a, he's a wonderful character and, and Judd Hirsch is a great kind of comic actor as well as having some real chops as well so um, my film dad would be Julius Levinson um, from Independence Day, so there we go. A bit off offbeat for you there. Um, I, I mentioned a couple who who kind of didn't make the cut for me. Obviously, Jim's dad, um, probably the most understanding <laughs> man in the world. Um, and uh, the other one I want to kind of briefly mention is um, Ray Kinsella, who is Kevin Costner's character in Field of Dreams. 
Um, I caught the last, well, I said I caught about the last hour of Field of Dreams when uh, just before I went to bed the other night, it was on Sky, and I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna have to sit and watch this now. <laughs> um, like he, as as a as a father and a provider, he makes some of the worst decisions um, <laughs> of of any sort of. Uh, like being a man who's in a position and has a family and responsibilities and and stuff like that, like uh, there's no way you would build a you know baseball <laughs> diamond in your cornfield. But as a piece of whimsy and a piece of like you know like leap of faith and uh, feel good cinema, uh, then Ray Kinsella was 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 seriously up there uh, for me. And I can't I can't let a, a dad pass without mentioning Jonathan Kent from Superman. Hmm. Um, obviously uh, the the man who instills, um, yes, okay, Jor-El um, gave uh, sort of Superman his powers and stuff like that, uh, but it was Jonathan Kent who made him the hero he is and instilled him the values and everything that made him the greatest hero. Um, and I don't care what Marvel say. <laughs> so uh, there we go. Um, and I'm just trying to remember um, who played him in the movie, and it completely escapes me for a minute. Uh, I will come back to you. So, James, who else was on your list? Um, so, I had um, basically Glenn Ford, Glenn Ford, Glenn Ford. Glenn Ford. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my, other, my other kind of choices, my so alternates I had was um, I, th- I think I, I probably should have chosen um, George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life just because of like what he, again, what he does for the. For the entire town, never mind for what he does for his family. Um, just, I thought that was, I was a, I was a bit of a, bit of an obvious one. I thought um, the, uh, I, I was, and I was also thinking um, from the Lego Movie. I don't think, I don't think he's got a name, but um, like the, the dad from the Lego Movie, um, just for the the fact he's a, he's a stern father figure, like played play by Will Ferrell. He's a stern father figure who then realizes what his son wants is just someone to play with him, and. Uh, so yeah, that was like and that, the, the Lego Movie was one of the films that I was thinking about in my sort of top three best family films as well. I think that's a, yeah. a, a really, really great film and really good, a really good family message as well. Um, and the other one that I'd, I'd throw in would be from uh, from Finding Nemo, um, Marlin from Finding Nemo. Excellent. Um, yeah. When you talk about you, you mentioned Brian Mills from uh, from Taken, that Liam Neeson character from Taken. What 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 Marlin goes through is sort of like multiple times what what he does in Taken. You know, to, to get his to get Nemo back in the uh, in finding Nemo and without any of the without any of the skills. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, and also also uh, he was he was voiced by um, uh, Albert Brooks, who um, as as people might know, I'm a bit of a Simpsons fanatic, and he of course voiced loads of characters in Simpsons, including uh, Hank Scorpio, the, uh, the super super villain in the uh, in that brilliant episode where Homer goes to work for him. Um, but yeah, but that, that, they'd be kind of my my alternates that I had, sort of alternate ones there as well. Cool. Uh, Rich, do you have anybody who newly made the cut? Uh, nah, not really. Uh, I mean, Terminator plays kind of a dad to John Connor, but that was about as far as I got. So uh, no, I was pretty happy with Wayne Zielinski. Okay, excellent. Dan, anyone else to chuck in there? Uh, first and foremost, I'm surprised that neither of you mentioned uh, Nicholas Cage's character in the crew. Yeah, I already, I already yeah. mentioned the weatherman. I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> double up. Well, oh, oh yes, Rich, because okay. you don't want to talk uh, too much about Nicholas Cage. That'd be exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you would get that on this podcast, no chance. 
Uh, no, my main alternate, uh, I think I had uh, Gru was potentially Excellent. there, uh, and Brian Mills was the other one because I was I had a very I've had ve- different variations of the family. I've had like the horror family who I would want as a family to like stave off evil spirits and stuff. Then I've had the action family, and Brian Mills would have been the father in that because no matter what's going to happen, he's going to find you with those set, <laughs> special set of skills. Doesn't matter if you're on the other side of, side of the world. Doesn't matter if there's feats of th- things that you consider really unfathomable by any human being. Liam Neeson at 50, 60 years old is going to do that. You can probably do it at 80 or 90 with the right editing. Yeah, Brian, Brian Mills. Well, that character has been somewhat diluted since I saw um, the Family Guy episode where he plays it as Kermit the Frog. Um, it's <laughs> like taking speech, which is obviously kind of diluted to any threat that that film has. Um, okay, so let's move on to the mother. James, who is your um, movie mother? Um, so again, I had had a whole bunch of different choices, um, but I've settled on... Um, yeah, and I, I think I think she, she'd work really well with Clark, Clark Griswold. Um, I've gone for Mildred Hayes, who was uh, Francis ah. McDormand's character from, from Three Billboards. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think, I just think her kind of. I, if anyone hasn't seen that film, it's the most heartbreaking, and yet oh, good. funny film you'll probably ever see. Like in the course, in, in the course, of like single lines, it goes from like one extreme to another. Um, I think her her character with uh, Clark Griswold will be a just be a, just be a, a fun film to watch. I think she's so intense and so you know hard on her kids, um, but she obviously she's like the Almost like a, almost like a stereotypical mama bear. Once, uh, once, uh, once they're threatened, sort of thing. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I don't really want to discuss what happens because it's not the most pleasant. Well, no, of, like, of course, no. So. But she is wonderful in that film. Like. Yeah, yeah. I think also, okay. I also think in the way she deals with the way she deals with the with the um, with the police and with the 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 newspaper sort of people as well, um, and the uh, or well, the advertising people. I think it's a I think she's a, a great character. I love to see her in a, in, a, in, a, in a happy family environment anyway. Indeed. Okay. Um, Rich, what have you got after that? Just want to say, right, uh, everyone seems to put a bit of thought into this. I just sort of like went, oh, I like this mother for this reason. Okay. So <laughs> it's, it's, I haven't got a big explanation as to why I've chose this one. It's just sort of for this reason. So I've went with Ellen Ripley on this one. Nice. Because uh, she's... She, She's shown that she has, um, she can discipline a child and also, you know, raise a child to go down, maybe follow a path that she's gone down. So you've got a, a daughter is Amanda Ripley, uh, as far as I'm aware, who yeah. is sort of mentioned in the films, but then is also the protagonist of the the game that came out a few years ago, Alien Isolation. But then she's also got an alien child, which <laughs> when it gets out of control, she knows how to discipline <laughs> it. I mean, disciplines in a fairly brutal way, but... She's putting her foot down and saying, "No, don't attack people." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Ellen Ripley, because she, she's really like she's just a stern mother. So so far, we have Clark Griswold and Mildred Hayes and Wayne Zelensky <laughs> and Ellen Ripley. <laughs> only in the, only in the movies. Eh? Okay, Dan, can you who, who's uh, married to <laughs> Dan? Well, buckle up because part of my action family kind of stayed in here, and I think I couldn't imagine. I don't. I never, never really thought about compatibility. Same, too much. Same. Uh, 
you know, but I think I, I think I can debate a way that it would work. You know, uh, I think Sarah Connor yes. is my yeah, had that as a backup. <laughs> uh, you know, she, you know, Dan, Dan Hillard, he's he's like the cuddly father. He, he's there. He's he, he's the guy who doesn't really take things seriously. So you, you need to balance it out. You need the yin and the yang. And I think Sarah Connor provides that yang to Dan Hillard's yin. She can save the world from impending apocalypse and do it handily. You know, and I mean, we've already seen a, a different variations of Sarah Connor throughout the, the arc of the film. So we, you've got Sarah Connor and Terminator 1, who would probably fit very well with Dan Hillard as, as a couple. What Sarah Connor becomes in T2 is another matter, and Terminator Dark Fate. And you know she's going to protect that children but, uh, as I well. Think, exactly, yeah. I mean, she will go to the ends of the earth. I mean, she might fit well with Brian Mills. Yeah, well, yeah. For them, as you know, like, they'd probably be having a fight as to who, who would... But no, it's Sarah Connor is... The, the the partner the mother in this 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 family and the partner to to Robin Williams get behind that. This is fire. yeah so um I I'm gonna go this is I am probably going to end up being the most compatible couple out of everyone I'm gonna go with uh, Leanne Cooey um, who is the mother in the blind side played by the peerless Sandra Bullock um, Sandra Bullock is my favorite actress. Um, and uh, she won the Oscar for this role um, and like, I think while the film is, is little more than a kind of hallmark kind of true story type film she just elevates it to such a point where she actually won an Academy Award for it um, and the, when I watched Field of Dreams the other night um, I was all ready to go to bed and then The Blind Side came on right after it. So I ended up, I was like, I could probably fall asleep. But I ended up just watching The Blind Side again, just mainly because of her performance. I mean, she takes absolutely no crap from anybody. Um, and like the way that she just like protects this like massive, massive uh, child. <laughs> um, you know, and like you don't, he does absolutely everything he tells her without question. You know, it's like she's terrifying and, you know, just, a very strong disciplinarian but you know you just do not doubt that she loves everyone in her family and I think that is the the heart of any mother so uh, I have Julius Levinson married to Leanne Tui. <laughs> Um so also on my I did have Sarah Connor on my list um, I also had um, I had uh, Alison Janney's character from Juno um, mm-hmm. Like so, the reason why I love Alice—I mean, I love Alice and Janet anyway—from a sort of lifetime of watching The West Wing, but um, she's Juno's stepmother, and they've got a kind of real sort of fractious relationship throughout the film. And then there's, there's one scene at the end where Juno's in labour, and uh, she literally grabs the nurse or the paediatrician or the gynaecologist or whoever it is, and she says, "If you don't help my daughter right now, so help me God," you know. And it's the the moment where like. It's just such a paternal reaction when you see your child suffering. Literally, want anything to make them feel better, and she really portrayed that even as a stepmother character. And I always that scene. Well, I enjoyed Juno. It's not anything I've particularly revisited, but that one scene's always kind of stuck in my head. Um, so yeah, so uh, Brenda McDuff, McGuff, sorry, is what she was called. Uh, so they just missed out for me, James. Who missed out on you? I had. Um, I also had Sarah Connor. Um, I had. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Wendy Torrance from the uh, from The Shining. Um, you know she doesn't she doesn't make very good decisions before they get to the the overpass hotel, um, overpass. But you know, you know when she's there, she, she's a survivor. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned Sandra Bullock. I was going to go 
a, a year earlier, I think it was, and was going to go for her role in uh, in Gravity. Um, oh yeah, Ryan Stone. She's called again. That's a uh, a mother who's again. Oh, oh wow, I really chose some dark kind of themes in that when it came to mothers. Um, again, she's she's someone who's like dealing with loss and uh, you know the way she the, the way the way the show back as a mother is you know. I think I think it worked very well with uh, Clark Griswold again. Um, and oh, the other one I had was, yeah, um, was the the mother from the again. It's then a nice light theme. Um, the mother from the Babadook. Um, I think she's called Amelia. Right, yeah. And Eddie Davis character. Um, again, just for the the way that she'll do anything for her, for her son um, through that film um, and all the stuff that she deals with to. To make sure her son's safe, um, and and again the way she stands up to the uh, to the um, the authorities, um, I thought I thought that was she she nearly made the list, but no, it was a uh, it was it was a uh, oh and there was one slightly lighter one that I went for was um, uh, from the Incredibles, uh, Elastigirl. Thought she was a uh, quite a nice mother, but, um, yeah. So there was her as well. Okay, um, Rich, I take it you have thought. Uh... Uh, well, no, I, I did have Sandra Bullock's character from Bird Box for you know obvious reasons. She gets them kids through thick and thin whilst they're all blind. Um, so uh, yeah, but I thought Ellen Ripley was a bit more fun than Sandra Bullock. Absolutely, Dan. Did you have any backups? <laughs> I did. I would just like to uh, mention that it's the well, Damn, I was going to jump on that, but I thought I let it slide. Dan, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel I feel bad enough that I've made a mistake. <laughs> uh, it, it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share it out. Um, no, uh, my my backups. Um, I had only two, and I mean I, I was to and thrown. I mean Laurie Strode seemed a bit maybe she she gets a bit crazy. She's she's a mother in the re- most recent Halloween film, uh, and she's a bit out there. But she's more than capable of holding her own against a six foot uh, serial killer. Uh, and the other one was Erin Brockovich. Oh, nice. Which obviously, I I think most people have seen Aaron Brockovich, but uh, a single mother who will persistently do what she needs to to make sure that the the right things done. Okay, so let's uh, move on to the kids. So if you could choose, uh, well, let's go. So you have two kids. So whether that's one boy, one girl, or uh, two boys, two girls, whatever combination. Um, of kids that you want to go or so um so james so what kids would clark griswold and mildred hayes um have um so the first one is uh from from the wonderful and i, I should i should have mentioned this for a, a true family film maybe a slight slightly older family film but um the hunt for the wilder people um yes. absolutely remarkable film uh, so i'm going for ricky baker out of the hunt, hunt for the wilder people um as the, as the son um just because he's he's just such a He's such a such a character. I think is what what people would say. Yeah, what, that's what I imagine like his grandmother would describe him as, as or like a candy aunt would say, "Oh, he, yeah, he's, he's such a character, isn't he?" Um, just yeah. basically, just um, <laughs> uh, you know, the just just he's just a, a, a brilliant, a, just a brilliant kid who's just frustrated. And then when you see sort of what he can do when he's when he's out in the wild on his own, the hunter, it's, it's, just, it's just he's just brilliant. I think he'd be he'd be great. Um, and then I'm going to pair him up with <laughs> um, from from Pan's Labyrinth, um, Ophelia from Pan's Labyrinth, because the way that she you looks are. after her, her little brother, 
Um, and, and, and she looks after her little brother and her family and everything. Um, I think her and Ricky Baker will be a, a brilliant. I think she will also help straighten out Ricky Baker as well, help him to see the, the good in the world a bit earlier than, than he does. Um, but then also he would make her loads cooler as well, you know, with Skook's life. Uh, yeah, so they'd be they'd be the two, they'd be they'd be the sort of two kids. It'd be Ophelia from that Pan's would Labyrinth. be a fun a fun dinner table to sit around. I think. And Ricky Baker from the uh, Hunt for the World of People. Okay, so Rich, so Wayne Zelensky and Ellen Ripley. Which uh, what would? So you mentioned earlier on a film called School of Rock, and um, yes, I'm probably gonna have to go for Summer Hathaway from School of Rock, or the Excellent. class SWAT. <laughs> Just uh, I think. When I was putting them together, I was like, they're going to have an intelligent child, but also a child that can maybe think on the feet. So, you know, it's um, every class, you know, has the class what, and you want to be proud of your children, so you want them to do well in school. So, you know, there's that one. But then uh, there's, a moment, there's a moment in School of Rock where she convinces the venue where to let the band play by pretending they're all terminally ill. Which <laughs> is, um, it's, a, it's a good example of me, a child thinking on their feet and, you know, working out a, a situation on their own. So, uh, yeah, there was Summer Hathaway uh, from School of Rock for the daughter and then for the child basically going on um, wanting your child to be good at something. Um, I chose Dash from The Incredibles. So if uh, there's there's one thing he's going to be good at, it's running. So he's going to be good at some some type of sport. Um, and he just looks like a handful to uh, be around, uh, a, a ball full of energy, I would say. Which at some at some points, I imagine as a parent, you don't want that. No, certainly I don't not. Know if you can speak to certainly that, Dave. Not. Well, I, I'm, <laughs> you've ever been in my house, Rich, which you have, and you have, James, when Leah's been I remember on the, the call. Yes, <laughs> you both. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's on so she is difficult to handle let's put it that way but, so uh, yeah dash so when he gets all that if you can control sort of like just you know limit the speed a little bit and just beat the record by a few seconds don't make it too obvious I mean, you just go that it might be classed as cheating but who knows <laughs> i just want a, a successful child in life so uh, yeah them too summer hathaway and dash from the incredibles hey excellent so dan who sets at dinner with dan hilliard and sarah connor Two very contrasting uh, people here. Uh, the 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 son would be Chris Chambers from Stand by Me, for no reason other apart like well actually a couple of reasons. He's very loyal, uh, and he'll stick with his family no matter what. However, in the in the in the story in the film, he obviously doesn't have the best of parents, and I just want to give him a father as lovely and bubbly as Daniel Hillard and Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh. He deserves that at the very least, Chris Chambers. Uh, and then the his sister would be Abra Stone, who is the main daughter in Doctor Sleep. Uh, she has the same sort of abilities as Danny Torrance does. And if anything was going down in the world or shit was getting scary, she's got not only the the shine to to help sort it out, but she can also find out if things are going to happen. She's also a nice little girl. Excellent. Excellent. Sounds like a very nice dinner table. So, um, of Antui, um, as the son, I have chosen uh, <laughs> was played <laughs> by James Can. <laughs> I just, I just, you know, like I, I was thinking a lot about the Godfather since we were talking about the seventies last week, and um, like I just loved. And he was just such a hothead, and he was the guy who sorted stuff out. 
after he went out of it. You know, um, I would love to have seen him last a bit longer. Um, uh, so yeah, so I think, um, and I think there's, there's been there's no better uh, cinematic hothead than the the oldest of Vito's children. That would be Sonny Corleone. Um, and I've kind of went a slightly different with his uh, Whitmore. Um, which is the character which Drew Barrymore played in Fifty First Dates um, with Adam Sandler. Um, I think if there is a sweeter, more lovable um, character in a film, then I would love to see her because you know I think there's there's um, I, I love Fifty First Dates anyway. I think it's a really sweet film. Um, like there's a, someone says, so you every day you convince this girl to fall in love with you, and you can imagine. Because she is just that lovable, like that that sacrifice. So um, Lucy Whitmore would be would complete my uh, movie. Um, when I look at who I've left out um, on the on the, the girl side, it would be Hit Girl from uh, from uh, Kickass. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, on the on the the boy side, um, were the ones who didn't make the, the didn't make the list for me. So James, what about who did who did you uh, decide not to not, um, let's put it that way? I had a I had a whole sort of a whole um I I, I kind of went I, I I thought we were choosing children rather than just favourite characters pretty much Dave. Oh right, <laughs> okay, yeah. So you know, um so I went for like you know, like Murph from Interstellar. I thought if I wanted like oh, a nice. brainy yeah, yeah. a brainy kind of daughter, um a Haley Joel Osment, um oh, what was the fuck I can't wait called in the sixth sense. Oh, I forgot his name. Uh, Billy Elliot. Oh yeah. Um, the the kid from the I'm I'm I'm, I'm just basically reading a list. The, the the kid from Logan. Um, she was she was pretty fantastic. Had the powers okay. like a like, yeah yeah like um like Rich said about having having powers and being able to use them. Oh uh, and, and Dan as well. Um, I think think she'd be uh quite useful around the house. All the, all the accidents that Clark the Clark Griswold would would cause. I think she might she might be useful. Um. Uh, and I also had um, uh, who else was it? Uh, oh, um, the no, uh, oh, who was it? Um, oh, in, in True Grit, I can't. I, I'm trying to remember her name. I can't remember. In True Grit, yeah, it's all. Um, it's um, played by Haley uh, Stansfield. Haley Stansfield, yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah, excellent. Um, I can't. I can't. I can't remember the. I've been trying to think of the character. I can't remember it. Um, should probably should have written it down or, or researched a bit more. But I was, I was also thinking her. Because um, again, uh, are you, you Rich here or something? You try to take Rich's <laughs> crown. Um, yeah, don't take my crown. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought her as well because she's um she's a proper she's a proper badass. I think she'd get re- get on really well with her mother if I was to choose her. Definitely. But instead, yeah, I went yeah. for Athena from Panther Brent instead. Yeah, kids that you would have chucked in there. Uh, I was going to throw in Elliot from um, ET and also uh, uh, the Leon as well, but. Um, E.T. was just for the fact that he, you know, he's pretty good at hiding stuff. Uh, you know, the keeps an alien in his house and no one, no one knows. And he knocks up E.T. an absolutely banging Halloween costume. So uh, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think it'd be good to make Halloween costumes every year, or just you know, clubs in general. <laughs> so Elliot was my uh, choice, and there was also Billy Elliot in there, but James mentioned that. Do you know, seeing as uh, well, like I've I've kind of laid myself bare a little bit on this podcast about the fact that I've never seen Mrs. Doubtfire. I have also never seen ET all the way through either. <laughs> I know. What? You know, 
I've tried so to is, watch Is this that, what though. it feels like to be on the other end? What's going on? Yeah. Well, you know, I've, tr- I've tried to watch it about three or four times, man. Like, I just, I thought it was boring as out, man. Like, so I've never, like, I haven't tried to watch it since I was a kid. So maybe I'll, I'll get more, given the fact that I, pretty much seen everything else that Steven Spielberg has done apart from that um, so I will probably enjoy it a lot more but yeah I've never uh, I've never seen the E.T. all the way through although at least with this one I have attempted to watch it unlike Mrs. Doubtfire which I have not bombshell will just <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, with your, any kids who didn't make the list yeah my, my uh, alternates for the children were uh, Tommy Jarvis oh, nice. from the Friday yes. 13 series uh, played by Corey Feldman in the last chapter and then by a guy whose name I can't remember he was also in Return of the Living Dead um, could handle himself with uh, six foot ceiling fillers once again you know uh, and the other one would have been Mikey like it was very close between Mikey from the Goonies and Chris Excellent. from Stand By Me uh, Mikey just this ball of energy who's so passionate and determined to do his family right by finding the money to save the, the the place that they live in. I mean, who doesn't want a sibling like that? Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. So quickly, uh, last and by no means least, I'm sure. Um, do we have a pet in there, James? Do you have a pet that you would you would chuck into this family dynamic of I, yours? I was going to go for the one I thought of was um, I don't I don't know if you remember the artist. Um, so yes. the black and white sort of the, the the dog from that is called Jack. This is a dog from that was absolutely yes. adorable. So since I couldn't pick pick um, Eddie from Frasier. Um, it'd be yes, it'd be, uh, Jack from The Artist. Okay, excellent. Rich, who did you have? Uh, I went for Gromit. Um, oh. Bolt was a Bolt was a close second, yeah. uh, but Gromit just can, you know, he seems to keep sort of Wallace on his feet and in the right direction as he's getting older, and that's what you want in a dog, really. So yeah, excellent. Gromit. <laughs> cool, Dan. Continuing the dog theme. Uh, I was torn between this, uh, but the one I ultimately went for because uh, it, it, I guess it's quite close to, to how I am in life. Is I, I picked Max from How the Grinch Stole right. Christmas. Uh, I, I relate quite a lot to the Grinch Indeed, in many ways, yes. and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, this, this 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 dog is obviously the, the the complete opposite to that. And despite that, he puts up with it, and he's he's he's, the, he's part of the comedy aspect of the film, and he's just a lovely little dog, especially when he's got his antlers okay. on. Uh, I never thought I'd see this side of Dan before, so there we go. Um, I, uh, again, have gone for a dog, and uh, there's, there was only really one choice. I mean, I did think Nanook from The Lost Boys, because he's a bit of a badass, but uh, I, I couldn't look past uh, Baxter from uh, Anchorman. Oh, um, so, not, not <laughs> only... Some stuff. Yeah, he does, but not only does he poop in the refrigerator and eat an entire wheel of cheese, um, he can speak Spanish and is a friend of the bears. So like, I don't imagine anything that you would need in a pet beyond that. And if there is anything, then... I mean, I'm not an animal guy, as you know. I know uh, you guys are, are more uh, dog-friendly than I am. Um, but yeah, so but Baxter, if Baxter was a real pet, I imagine I wouldn't mind having him as a dog. So so there we go. So before we move on, um, we asked for one other, so like a, an aunt or an uncle or a cousin or, a, or, a, or another family member. Uh, so if we could just quickly do a quick round table on that. So Rich, so what about you? Who did you, which other family member did you have in there? For no real reason. And there was, because I, I caught this like very late. So for no real reason and no real like explanation to it, uh, Bing Bong from Inside Out 
would be my hey. extended family. Excellent. <laughs> I don't think there's anything more we can say with that. So, no, uh... it's just, he's, he's that annoying uncle that comes around every now and then. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I probably, do you know, as annoying as, as a Bing Bong character is, that is probably one of the most emotionally gut wrenching moments. In oh no! Pixar. My you know God! That? Like, do you know the the thing is, like, I mean, look, we've we've all faced growing up and leaving things behind and and stuff, but to completely forget about something that is just that, that I was destroyed in that moment. Like, it was it was almost like the opening ten minutes of up. Uh, all over again, and, you know. Just... <laughs> but it happens halfway through the film. Yeah. I know, and oh I'm just my like, God. I'm like trying to keep it together. I'm looking, Kara's not bothered, you know. I'm just like, what? This is the most devastating moment ever. He's never you coming know. back. I know. Sick. How can you forget about Big Bong? He's stuck down there. I know. But uh, okay, so <laughs> okay, Dan. Um, after the heartbreak of Bing Bong, uh, what do you have for us? Uh, yeah, Bing Bong is heartbreaking, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I. My my interloper, my extended family is uh, Uncle Buck for this year reason that I want John Candy as a relative. I, 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 I can't elaborate on that anymore. It's just I want John Candy in my family. Um, I would have to say this. I have actually never seen it. I'm kidding. I have seen Uncle Buck. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you're right. Like, I think if anybody could wish for any relative, it would be Uncle Buck. Uh, yeah, I don't think we need to see any more than that. I think. I'm glad you walked back on that because I nearly rage quit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so James, uh, who would be your extended family member? Um, my, my my answer was going to be Uncle Buck, and I, I, again, I had no justification for it. Just I was just like because it's Uncle Buck, because it's John Candy. Um, yeah. So the, the other one I will throw in would be oh, so it's it's two kind of grandfathers in between, uh, and it's oh, it's got to be. I mean, just because no one's mentioned any of them so far, it's got to be the grandfather from the Princess Bride. Just got to be. Yeah. Pete, yeah. Peter Falk, Columbo, playing the, the, the grandfather from the Princess Bride. Just because, you know, his grandson's sick and he decides just to spend the day reading the story to him and what a story is he tells. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, so I think much like... Uh, what we, we talked about earlier, Uncle Buck is the correct answer. Um, I think I also had Uncle Buck on my list as well. Um, so who I'm going to go for uh, is a little bit off beat again. Aunt Meg from a little film called Twister with Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt. Um, they visit her aunt. They were all these crazy storm tracers and they all descend on our, um, on our, our house. Now, the only reason why I chose her is I like a good meal and I like a lot of food when I have a good meal. And that spread that she puts on with the big, massive steaks and the mashed potatoes and the gravy and everything, every time I watch that film, I want a steak and potatoes. And uh, for no other reason than she could put on a good spread, Aunt Meg from Twister would be my um, extra member. Cool. So I think we have done quite well there in building a... um, Movie family. Is there anything anything to add oh, before Dave, we move on? Dave, can oh, I yes. ask oh, yeah. if, if you were so if, if we're setting up this this family, this movie family, um we need we need like we need a villain, we need someone to um to, uh, to take on sort of these families to up, upset the apple cart so it isn't just all happy families. And um it, it got me thinking actually some, some, the the basically the one that the reason why I, I came is because I was thinking of, of sort of great family films, one you mentioned already, Paddington Two. Um yes. I was thinking of Finn Buchanan. Um, like who's Hugh Grant's 
sort of character in in Paddington Two, and he's just such a great sort of a proper. I think he used the phrase last last week, a boo hiss bad guy, and um, he's yeah. so much that he literally is that because at the end they they sort of start booing him, um, but he, he's just such a. If if anyone hasn't seen Paddington, think it thinks it's maybe it's a bit bit of a kids' film. Watch it just for Hugh Grant's turn in that film because it's yeah he, he plays a washed up theatre actor um, who's got all these great roles that he's played in the past, uh, and he. I, I, I don't, do you know what? I don't even want to spoil it. That's like, just go like, and watch Paddington 2. Yes, go and yeah, watch Paddington 2 because it's worth it just for the Hugh Grant's role in, in that film. It's, it's worth it fun. for the pink prison outfits, but uh, yes. yeah, the whole yeah. film's class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. no, it's, um, it's, a, it's a great film, and he's great in it as well. Do you always remember Mark Kermode, um, who is a, is a favourite film critic of mine, mainly because he's quite <laughs> miserable, and I quite <laughs> like how... A good misery guts, mm-hmm. and uh, he always laments the fact yeah. that uh, James Corden's Peter Rabbit made more than yes. Paddington Two at the box office. And if anything, like, would articulate what's wrong with modern cinema, then mm-hmm. that would that would do it. I think. Um, okay, so uh, I'll give Dan and Rich a couple more minutes to think about this because I'm going to jump straight in with Biff Tannen from Back to the mm-hmm. Future. Um, he's just he's so slimy and horrible and I think like so from when you first meet him in 1985 when he's like he's just crashed George's car and he's like hitting on like Marty's mum and then you see him as a teenager and he's a real shit then as well and then you see him in the old and worse and stuff so I think my sort of the guy who would come to ruin my family would be uh, would be Buford or Biff Cannon from Back to the Future Okay, Dan, have you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, so I think I like the term boo-hiss. Uh, and I think probably one of the most boo-hiss people I can recall from an 80s film is uh, Walter Peck, for, who played by William Atherton in Ghostbusters. Oh, outstanding. Uh, as the, the, the just inexplicably idiotic uh, guy who constantly tries to get them shut down. What he's going to have against my family, I'm not sure. Maybe he just thinks Sarah Connor's a nutter and decides that she's going to try and lock her up. But I mean, if there's if there's a real boo hiss guy out there, I think he has to be up there. Yeah, well. and that guy, uh, William Atherton, I believe his name is. He played a real schmuck in Die Hard as well, didn't he? Like, and I think he's just oh, he plays yes, that he role better yeah, than anyone. It's just excellent. What about Rich? What about you? Have you got anything um, to add to this? Not exactly boo hiss. Uh, I mean, maybe a boo hiss one would be Cruella Deville, but you know that's because she, you know, rags on puppies really. Um, but, but sort of. Um, like baddies in films, I would go for like Harry and Marv in Home Alone Excellent. from like a family Excellent. film because like you sort of don't like them and you're glad to see them get hurt, but they also the like ninety percent of the the comedic value of that film because they're getting hurt. So without the Kevin McAllister actually dunking on the bad guys, then uh, there's not really much of a film there. So uh, it's it's actually an odd family film because the the villains are sort of like the main part of it. Uh, yeah, it's because you know, without them, there's no film, it's just Kevin McAllister in a house, um, <laughs> not doing much. Um, so yeah, Harry and Marv from Home Alone, and uh, obviously the second one as well. You do realize that if the wet bandits walked in in your house with Alan Ripley <laughs> and mine with Sarah yeah. Connor, they're getting the well, faces yeah. straight. <laughs> well, shot hopefully, off. we can add a bit of comedy spice to that, not just a straight laser through the face, <laughs> or oh, I could shrink them or something with my shrink ray. So <laughs> we'll see. Excellent, excellent. So I think uh, we started um, 
this uh, discussion on family films with the Princess Bride. We've ended it with Harry and Marv getting lasered through the face <laughs> by Terracotta uh, with so much in between. Um, so before we move on, I think um, what we're going to talk about next week has just sort of came to me tonight a little bit, um, and I'm going to throw this out and uh, see uh, see what you guys think. Is obviously I have uh, admitted in front of the in front of the world tonight. Um, that I'd never seen Mrs. Doubtfire or E.T. all the way through. So why not next week we have a discussion of the films we haven't seen but should have. So have a think of a... We'll talk a about a couple punch. of... Yeah, well, yes. Anything with Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> um, so, we yeah, so have a think about films that are out there um, given you know your uh, status as a film fan um, that you should have seen, but you haven't. So, for an example, if you haven't seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which, for example, would be Ooh, one yes. that you would... Yeah, so stuff like that. If you if you hadn't seen something like that, then um, we could talk about that, if that's agreeable. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Indeed. So, just very briefly before we say good tits, uh, with a very heavy heart uh, that uh, we saw the passing of uh, a wonderful actor uh, called Fred Willard, um, who sadly this week uh, you'll probably have seen him most recently um, as Phil Dunphy's father in uh, Modern Family uh, but he has been in many films, he was in American Pie, The Wedding he's a part of the whole Christopher Guest uh, sort of cadre of actors who did that all those kind of semi-improv films um, a real loss, a real funny real, real funny guy um, and if I could suggest, if you want a real laugh, go to YouTube and put in Fred Willard, What Happened, uh, and see his uh, monologue from A Mighty Wind, where he talks about his game show that he worked on. Uh, it's just comedy gold. Uh, but yeah, so it's a really, uh, we're all very, very sad uh, about the passing of Fred Willard. So uh, on that slightly somber note, I guess it's time to say goodbye. So I will say thank you very much, James. Thanks a lot, Dave. Thank you very much, Rich. Thank you, Dave. That's and thank you in Polish. There you go. Outstanding. And uh, thank you very much, Dan. Uh, thank you, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch up with you soon. Thank you very much. <laughs> so while we were recorded that before, um, I've just I've just noticed I. T- saying, I heard that. I cannot believe our relationship is built on Christmas lies.